सन्नो मित्र संवरुण सन्नो भवत्न्न इंद्रो बृहस्पति सन्नो विष्णुक्रम नमो ब्रह्मणे नमस्ते वायो प्रत्यक्ष ब्रह्मसे प्रत्यक्ष ब्रह्म वदिष्यामि सत्यम वदिष्यामि तन्मामवतु तद्वक्तारमवतु अवतुमावतु वक्तारम शांतिशाशाशा सहनाभुन सह वीकवाहै तेजस्वीनावधीतमस्तुमाषा वह ओंदसमृषभो विश्व छंदोभ्योध्यमृतासंबूव समेन्द्र मेधया स्पृत अमृत देवधारण भूयास शरीर मे विचर्षण जिह्वा मे मधुमत्तमा कर्णाभ्याश्रुव ब्रह्मण कोशोसी मेधया पिता श्रुत मे गोपाय अहम वृक्षरिव कीर्ति पृष्ठंगिरेव बुधपवित्रो वाजिनी वस्वृतमस्मे द्रविणुंसवर्चस सुमेधा अमृत क्षितशंकोर्वेदनुवचनम ओ ಶಾಂತಿಶಾಂತಿಶಾಂತಿಶಾಂತಿಶಾಂತಿ ಶ್ರುತಿಸ್ಮೃತಿಪುರಾಳಯಂಕರುಣಾಲ ನಮಿ ಭಗವತ್ಪಾದಶಂಕರಂಕರಾಚಾರ್ಯಂಕೇಶವಾದರಾಯಣಸೂತ್ರಭಾಷ್ಯಕೃತೌಂದೇ ಭಗವಂತೌನಃಪುನಃಶ್ವರೋಗುರುರಾತ್ಮೇದಿ ಮೂರ್ತಿಭೇದ ವಿಭಾಗಿಮವ್ಯಾಪ್ತೇಹಾಯ ದಕ್ಷಿಣಾಮೂರ್ತ ನಮಃ
அகண்டம் சச்சிதானந்தம் அகண்டம் சச்சிதானந்தம் அவாங் மனசகோச்சரம் அவாங் மனசகோச்சரம் ஆத்மானமிலாதாரம் ஆத்மானமிலாதாரம் ஆசிரியே பீஷ்டசித்தேஷ்டசித்தோப்பியன் அர்த்தோப்பியன் அதீதைதானூனாராேதாராேதாரம் வக்ஷேயமதே சாரம் வக்ஷேயமதேஷாம்ித்தியாதீனாம்ீஷுதிபரம்பிரயோஜனம் உபாசனாம்ச்சித்தைகாகிரியம் வென் வி பர்ஃபார்ம் திஸ் நித்திய நைமித்திகரம் மீனிங் தி டெய்லி அண்ட் தி இன்சிடென்டல் ஆப்ளிகேட்டரி டியூட்டிஸ் ஆர் வென் வி பர்ஃபார்ம் ஆக்ஷன்ஸ் இன் தி ஸ்பிரிட் ஆஃப் வர்ஷிப் திஸ் இஸ் அ ஹோல் ஸ்பிரிட் ஆஃப் தி ஆப்ளிகேட்டிஸ் அப்பான் தி பீப்பல் வேதாஸ் என்ஜாயின் டியூட்டிஸ் அப்பான் டிஃப்ரெண்ட் பீப்பல் டிபெண்டிங் அப்பான் தட் ஸ்டேஜ் இன் லைஃப் depending upon their caste etc depending upon the role in life duties were assigned to different people which duties were performed supposedly in the spirit of worship and the purpose of that is purification of the heart so etesham nityadinam buddhi shuddhi param prayojanam when you perform nitya karma naimittika karma and prayaschitta karma meaning your daily worship the occasional worship and what we call the penance the purpose of all this is purification of the heart meaning making the heart or the mind free from its reactions free from sadness free from likes and dislikes <clears throat> bringing about what we call a pleasant or a cheerful mind so what we call the shuddhantah karanam or the pure mind is nothing but a pleasant mind a cheerful mind a happy mind தபசா கல்மஷம் ஹந்தி பை த பேனன்ஸ் ஒன் இஸ் ஏபிள் டு கெட் இட் ஆஃப் தட் கல்மஷம் தட் இம்பியூரிட்டி விச் அப்பியர்ஸ் நவ் அண்ட் சேட்னஸ் எஸ் கிரீஃப் எஸ் ரியாக்ஷன்ஸ் ஸோ தீஸ் திங்ஸ் வி ஃபைன் பீங் தேர் வாட் எவர் பி த ரீசன் ஃபார் தேர் பீங் தேர் வி சே தேட் வாட் எவர் பாஸ்ட் ஆக்ஷன்ஸ் பெர்ஃபார்ம் தே ஹவ் சம் ஹாவ் ரிசல்ட் இன் டு திஸ் அண்ட் டு ஸ்லோலி அண்ட் ஸ்லோலி எலிமினேட் தேம் the method recommended here is performing actions in the spirit of worship actions are performed at the level of body actions are performed at the level of speech actions are performed at the level of mind of these the actions performed at the level of body and speech were classified as nitya and naimittika karma and the actions performed at the level of mind the worship was called upasana <coughs> entis upasana or mental worship primarily and totally involves the mental activity therefore its immediate or principal result is concentration of mind or focusing of the mind and of the actions performed in the level of body and speech the, the primary result is purification of the mind 
And when you do this, you also get some avandar phalam or the secondary result, which is stated in the verse 14. Nityanaimittikayoho Upasananantu Avantarphalam Pitruloka Satyaloka Praptihi Karmana Pitruloka Vidyaya Devaloka Ityadi Avantarphalam, which is known as secondary result. Primary result and secondary result. Primary result, as it was said, was purification of the mind, the focusing of the mind, and you also get some other worldly benefits. Nityanaimittikayoho avantarphalam pitruloka praptihi. When you perform your daily and incidental obligatory duties sincerely and with a commitment, with devotion, then not only do you gain what we call the purification of the mind, but you also gain the so-called Pitruloka. Pitruloka means the world of mains, it is said. That is the additional result. And Satyaloka Praptahi, when you perform vasanas or perform meditations, the avantarphalam or the secondary result is satyaloka praptihi. There are so many lokas or the worlds above and below. It is said in the Vedic scriptures there that the world that we experience is called bhuloka. The, the earth or the world that we experience is called bhuloka. There are six worlds above and seven worlds below and thus making up of what they call 14 worlds. So whether these worlds are to be understood in terms of places, or these worlds are to be understood in terms of states of consciousness, maybe. That means there are 14 different levels of consciousness or experiences, 7 above and 7 below. So bhuhu, bhuaha, suaha, mahaha, janaha, tapaha, satyam. These are the names of the 7 worlds above. Of that, the bhulo, bhulo kaha, that is the world of the human beings, and supposedly there are six worlds above. By above is meant where the upadhi or the, the body is going to be subtler and superior. So there are six superior worlds culminating into what is known as satyaloka, or the world of Brahma, or the world of Creator. For all of these, we are strictly dependent upon the scriptures because we have no way of verifying this, nor do we have any way of denying it or whatever it is. And therefore, that we accept that these worlds are. And Pitruloka is one of these worlds, which is the second loka, Bhuvar loka. And Satya loka is the final or the ultimate that one can attain as a result of the highest forms of meditation or the combination of rituals and meditations what one can attain the highest achievement that is possible is known as Satyaloka. I mean, and so it is said here that you can go up to Satyaloka, the most superior world, by performance of these upasanas or meditations. 
This is just stated in order to uh, complete this discussion. Because somebody might argue that when you perform an action, there has to be a result. And purification of the mind is not really result because purific purification is, is the nature of the mind. Mind is pure by nature. And therefore, when you say that the mind is purified by certain actions, that cannot be said to be the result of this. And therefore, it is said that when you perform action, you accumulate punya or the virtue as a result of which you get qualified to attain, to experience happiness in appropriate worlds. By the same token, if you perform pap or sin, meaning violate, if you perform actions which violate, then, then violation of the order, then there are seven worlds below also. Atala, vitala, sutala, talatala, rasatala, mahatala, patala, supposed to be seven worlds below, which are inferior worlds, and where the, the degree of suffering increases. In the words above, the degree of happiness increases because the body and the mind and the equipment that you have is subtler and subtler and more and more capable of enjoying subtler and subtler forms of happiness with less and less restrictions upon you in terms of your ability to gain and enjoy the objects. And as you go below, then you are more and more restricted and therefore the degree of suffering increases and until Patala, that's the last world where supposedly the suffering is most intense. No? These are the... So, therefore, you gain this kind of worlds also. <coughs> there is a, a nice statement there. Tadyatha amre phalarthe nimite chayagandhau viti anutpadyate. It is said that when you plant a mango tree, the primary reason for planting the mango tree is a mango fruit. So, that is called the the mukhya or the principal result. <coughs> so param prayajanam, the primary purpose of planting a mango tree is mango fruits. But when you plant a mango tree, you also gain by way, you know, just by the way, chayagandhu, you get the shade of the tree also, the, the shade of the tree also, as well as gandha, the fragrance. The mango tree has its own, every tree, mango tree has its own fragrance. And therefore, even though you planted the tree for the sake of the mango fruits, you also get, by the way, the shade as well as the, uh, the fragrance and the flowers. And so also, even though you perform these actions primarily for the purpose of purification of the mind, you also gain the secondary result of the attainment of this Pitruloka, Satyaloka, these worlds also. <coughs> That's all we say. All right, so having discussed this now, that's it. And this also has support of the Shruti, Karmana Pitralokaha. By performance of rituals, meaning Nitya, Nimitika Karma, Pitralokaha, Vidya, Devalokaha. By Vidya is meant meditation, so by the meditations one can gain Devaloka, the world of gods. <coughs> Now, continuing the discussion on the page and the passage 15, this author is explaining this passage number uh, 6, which was on the page 3 of this book. Adhikaritu vidhivat adhita veda vedangatvena apatataha adhikata khila vedartaha 
अस्मिन् जन्मनि जन्मान्तरेवा काम्यन सिद्धवरजन पुरस्सरम नित्यनैमित्तिक प्रायस्यतोपासनानुष्ठानेन निर्गत निखिलकल्मशतया नितान निर्मल स्वांतह ऑल ऑफ दिस हैज बीन एक्सप्लेन नाउ साधन चतुष्टय संपन्न है व्हाट इज द रिजल्ट ऑफ द प्योरिफिकेशन ऑफ द माइंड साधन चतुष्टय संपन्न है naturally arise what we call sadhana chatushta and the fourfold qualifications so the, the the result of what we call the purification of mind is that the mind becomes more contemplative as the mind becomes free from the effects of reactions the distortions the preconceived notions to the extent that it becomes free from this to that extent it becomes a perceiving mind a contemplative mind, a seeing mind, a mind that has, that develops that intuition or the understanding, the instinct about understanding the life also. So understanding the life also becomes clearer and clearer as the mind becomes purer and purer. And that is how these sadhanas, all these qualifications slowly and slowly arise. What are these qualifications? Which is what are required for the study of Vedanta. For study of Vedanta, the fourfold qualifications were required are now discussed next. In the pay in the passage fifteen it is said. Because Sadhana Chatusta Sampana Paramata Adhikari Uktam, it was said that the Adhika, the Adhikari, the competent student is Pramata, one who is desirous of knowing the true nature of the self, and one who is possessed of the fourfold qualifications. So next question that arises is what are these qualifications? <coughs> How many are the qualifications? And what are they? And they are explained now from the from beginning from passage 15. Sadhanani Nitya Anitya Vastu Viveka Iha Amutra Artha Phalabhoga Viraga Shamadi Shatkasampatti Mumukshutvani There are four sadhana or the qualifications. What we may call inner wealth. So the scriptures are are suggesting here that what we have to acquire in our life is this inner wealth. Therefore, give up the karma karma, give up the actions which are directed towards acquiring of the outer wealth. Nishiddha karma, give up also the actions which will violate the rules of life in order to acquire the outer gains. And rather, focus your attention on acquiring what we call the inner wealth. <clears throat> so sadhana, all these means are the inner wealth, which is there. The beauty is that all this inner wealth is there, lying there. It is merely obstructed or merely veiled or enveloped by certain, certain obstacles. And therefore, even the so-called sadhana or the so-called uh, qualifications are those which are already there and which have to be invoked. Thus we have to invoke from within ourselves those qualifications 
that is that are there that beauty of the personality the beauty the purity all that is already there is to be invoked is to be manifest is to be surfaced like the water covered by the moss and therefore the water is not visible because it is covered by a thick layer of moss and how when you remove the moss how that clean and pure water manifests itself and so also that purity and cleanliness of our own personality is as though buried under a moss of these reactions and by which are known as sins or which are known as obstacles durita and what we have to do is to remove these obstacles and that inner beauty which is inherently there becomes manifest <clears throat> and therefore it is only proper that our life should be such as such as to manifest the beauty which is inherent within our own self so that beauty or the happiness purity satisfaction joy fulfillment is not something to be sought from outside is something that is lying buried within our own self and is something that is to be surfaced or manifested and therefore the actions are performed directed towards manifestation of these qualifications and whatever you are seeking in life you will find that you already have it so what we are seeking in life is happiness or is purity or is peace or security and we find that all of it is there when this inner beauty and purity is made to become manifest this is the secret of life that vedanta points out to us the not only brahman is there but whatever you are seeking in life you are seeking beauty joy happiness love whatever you are seeking in life all of that is right within ourselves because that is the nature of the self and what is to be done is just to make that self manifest <coughs> therefore a life directed towards manifestation of our own inner purity and beauty is an intelligent life and a life directed towards acquiring that happiness and peace and security from outside is a misdirected or misguided life <clears throat> so here it is said that when you lead a certain life which is enjoined by the scriptures then that life automatically becomes conducive for the unveiling or surfacing of the inner qualifications therefore it is said that one the, the student is one who has studied the vedas vedas means one who has studied the scriptures so it is said in the sixth passage vidhivat adhita veda vedangatvena on account of having studied the vedas and the vedangas the scriptures and the the subsidiary text apatatah adhigata akhila vedartah one therefore who is acquired an overview of the vedas so on account of study of the scriptures from the teacher one who is acquired an overview of the vedas therefore a religious tree teaching or a scriptural teaching of the scripture learning is a necessary part of our life in order to get a view of the or the vision of our life so when you study veda or whatever scriptures there are in every culture there are scriptures and when we study those scriptures even from childhood and get an overview we do not we do not understand necessarily all the depth of the scriptures but even when we come across these things then certain things immediately strike us 
Adhikat Akhila Vedartha One who has studied the scriptures and therefore have gained, has gained an overview of the scriptures. In him, slowly, slowly that person starts thinking. So, Nitya, Nitya Vastu Vivekaha. First qualification is Viveka or discrimination. Discrimination between what? Nitya, Nitya Vastu and Anitya Vastu. Vastu means reality. Nitya Vastu, the permanent reality. Anitya Vastu, the ephemeral or impermanent reality. Thus, when we study the Vedas or even when you study some good books, when you are exposed to scriptures directly or indirectly, either through satsang, through the company of good people, or through the study of good books, or through Sunday school and whatever, and maybe a combination of all of these, when a person is exposed to the scriptures in one or the other way, then the person becomes familiar that there is, life has some permanent basis. It is not that what, what we perceive, of course, is everything that is changing, impermanent, perishing, but the change or impermanence or flux is not the ultimate truth about the life. But there is a nitya vastu, there is a permanent or a lasting reality about the life. This kind of a, uh, a, a an understanding or this kind of a uh, line of thinking arises within ourselves when we are exposed to some teaching listen to the Swamis, or read some good books, go to the Sunday school, whatever. Somehow you are exposed to the scriptures, and then you will definitely see that there is something in life above and beyond what is perceptible, or what is visible, or what is even experienced by us. <coughs> so first thing that arises, and this we will discuss further, is Nitya Nitya Vastu Vivekaha. See, when you study books, good books, when you study books which are related to scriptures, then you acquire a certain ability to reason in the life. What is important is a reasoning ability, an ability to reason, an ability to analyze, an ability to discriminate. And thus one acquires this kind of an ability, because the scriptures say, in, in the context of Veda, it is said, when you study the Vedas, you will come across this kind of statements. I, you see, this is what happens when you study any, any beautiful text, like Bhagavad Gita, or the Upanishads, or Bible, or whatever. Then certain statements will strike you. And perhaps you will note them down in your diary, or whatever it is, you know. So, they, these statements appeal to you. And thus, something perhaps invokes something in you. It sets you thinking. It initiates a certain train of thinking within your own self. And either you note them down in your diary or note them down in your mind and perhaps go over them again and again. So in the Vedas, for example, Yasmadarvak Samvatsaraha Ahobhif Parivartate Tadeva Jyotisham Jyotihi There are different statements. He says, because of which this sun and the moon, the sun goes around because of it the days and nights change. So that because of it the days and nights change and because of the years and the principle of time is there is a light or there is a principle because of which even the time functions. So time and place, these are the realities that are perceptible to us. But there is a reality above and beyond that. This is what is uh, the theory of relativity. 
that scientists such as Einstein and others saw. Well, that we experience, our experience is confined to what we call the three dimensions. Our experience is confined to time and place, but then you realize that time and place which are so far considered to be changeless are also changing. That is what is called relative to the space also is relative and time also is relative. And therefore, he presumed and he perceived that there must be a reality which is above and beyond the time and place, which is not relative. So really the theory of relativity is the theory of absolute, not theory of relativity. The, in the minds of Einstein and other scientists, they are trying to perceive or trying to, trying to, trying to know the reality which is not relative, which is absolute, of which the time and the place and the world within time and place, which is relative world, which is a projection. So here the way, in these Vedas also the same, that Yasmadarvak samvatsaraha ahobihi parivartadeh burhadaranek Upanishad says, that because of which or behind which the year changes through days and nights, Tadeva Jyotisham Jyotihi, that is the light of all the lights. Because of the days and nights revolve, because of it the years and all this principle of time completely revolves, there is a, an entity or a principle that is beyond time or beyond change. These statements you read. <coughs> Nityam Vivhum Sarvagatam Susukshmam says Mundakopanishad that the truth is Nityam is permanent. Vibhum, all-pervasive. Sarvagatam, vibhum, which is appearing in different forms. Sarvagatam, all-pervasive. Susukshmam, subtler than the subtlest. <coughs> Akashavat sarvagatascha nitya. What is the nature of the self? What is the nature of reality? It is Akashavat, all, all, it is pervasive like the space. Nitya, permanent. Ajaha, Nityaha, Shashvadaha, one who is unborn, one who is undying, one who is eternal. Yovai Bhuma, Tadamurtham, that which is, that which is permanent or that which is all-pervasive is, is Amrutam, that is immortal. So, thus you find that happiness is in permanence and not in impermanence. That is a permanent reality, that is a changeless reality, which is of the nature of immortality, which is of the nature of happiness. Now you don't know what all this means, but at least this study is an exposure to the scriptural study in one way or the other. Expose you to this kind of concepts, these concepts you're exposed to, that there is something eternal, there is something changeless, there is something permanent. There is something above and beyond what you perceive and what you experience. So this is the kind of general overview that you gain as a result of study of the scriptures. <clears throat> that there is a nitya vastu. And there is anitya vastu also. Nehananasti <clears throat> kinchana says Burhadaranika Upanishad that in fact there is no duality at all. Meaning that the duality that you perceive is not the ultimate reality. Mrityos mrityamapnodi yahinaneva pashyadi One who only gives reality to the world of duality or this impermanent world goes from death to death. Yatranyat pashyadi anyat shranodi anyat vijanati dadalpam This realm of experience where one sees the other, one hears the other, one feels the other, one experiences the other, 
meaning where there is this duality of the subject and object, to the alpam, that is only, that is alpam, that is insignificant, or that is very little. There is bhuma, there is abundant or the limitless, which is beyond this world of duality. So there is a realm where all the duality completely resolves. This nitya vastu and anitya vastu. Nitya, the permanent or the changing, anitya. Nitya, uh, impermanent, changeless, and anitya, the changing or the impermanent. Thus you come to be exposed to these, these thoughts, these ideas. So nitya, anitya, vastu viveka. A general discrimination. A general understanding that there is a nitya vastu, there is something permanent, anitya vastu, that there is impermanent, that there is a permanent lasting reality, there is immortality, there is something that is changeless, something that is eternal, something that is lasting, that such a thing is, an understanding that arises within yourself, not so much the knowledge but what you might call a hunch or a feel, you know, that you gain, this is what you call the viveka or a discrimination. That will become a reality for you when you pursue the study of the scriptures and see that truth. But what will even prompt you to pursue the study? Why should you dedicate yourself to this pursuit of the study? That an inner feeling is there, an inner something is there, which makes you feel that there is something permanent in this life, there is something permanent, immortal. There is lasting, there is peace, there is happiness, something is there. And that kind of thing arises from within yourself on account of, maybe you are inspired on account of listening to something, reading something, studying something. And therefore, that thing that arises in you is the beginning of viveka or discrimination. Nitya, nitya vastu viveka, a discrimination between the nitya vastu and anitya vastu, the permanent and the impermanent. <coughs> Then, iha mutrata phalabhoga viragaha. Second qualification is viraga, a dispassion that arises naturally on account of this understanding. This inner feel that an, our understanding that you gain automatically uh, draws you away from these ephemeral and impermanent and gross things. Automatically you find that you are no more interested in them that your heart is now automatically drawn towards something which is lasting and permanent. And automatically you find yourself slowly and slowly disinterested in these life and experiences of which only are in the realm of impermanent or uh, changing. This is what we call viraga or vairagya, a dispassion. This we'll discuss. And then, thirdly that arises, samadhi shritka sampattihi, as a result of this vairagya or the dispassion arises from within yourself the sampatti or the inner wealth which is called samadhi shatka sampatti the sixfold inner wealth beginning from shama and finally this inner evolution of the inner growth culminates into what? mumukshatvam an intense desire to be liberated from this bondage an intense desire to be liberated from a sense of limitation as long as this bondage or limitation does not bother you that much, so long perhaps this doesn't really have an impact. 
All this teaching has an impact to the extent that there is enough a desire to be liberated from a sense of bondage. Even that itself is a great qualification that I want to be liberated. That's not an ordinary thing. In fact, that there is an intense yearning or desire to be liberated is the culmination of all the inner purification. So, mumukshutvam. Thus, there are sadhana chatushtaya, the fourfold qualification. Nitya nitya vastu viveka, iha mutrartha phalabhoga viraga, shamadi shatka sampatti, and mumukshutvam. It would be worthwhile for you to remember these expressions <laughs> because these also appear again and again in, uh, in our discussions. In the 16th, from beginning from 16th passage now, the author describes the, what are these qualifications? The first one here, the passage 16 says, Nitya Nitya Vastu Vivekaha Tavada Brahmaiva Nityam Vastu Tataha Anyata Akhilam Anityam Iti Vivechanam We already discussed this. Vivechanam means discrimination. Viveka, Viveka means to separate. Like separating grain from the chaff is called Viveka. Viveka or separation or discrimination is required when two things are mixed up with each other then separation is required. And they are mixed up in such a way sometimes that it is not very easy to separate them. So the kind of viveka or the discrimination that we are talking about is that which requires a certain subtle perception. It is very easy to discriminate between day and night, between white and black, but it is very easy to discriminate between them. But it becomes difficult to discriminate between white and white. For example, rice is white, and there is stone also which is white. So when they are picking rice, you know, sometimes, generally speaking, the stones are black and therefore you can very easily pick stones from the rice. But sometimes there are white stones also, which look like rice. And if you are not careful, then all the stones will, that's why very often while you are eating food, then you have, you come across a stone, you know, eating khichdi and rice and some stone comes because that white stone was not removed because the person who was speaking did not discriminate between the rice and the stone. Both of them look alike. And you would feel them. So if every grain is subjected to your sense of touch, then it is parsha or the faculty of touch which can discriminate between. Eyes cannot discriminate because they look white. It is the faculty of touch which can discriminate between the softness of rice and the hardness of the stone. Then you know that this is hard and therefore this is stone. So very often discrimination requires an appropriate faculty and here also discrimination in life is going to require an appropriate faculty because permanent and impermanent are very much mixed up with each other. It is not that permanent is in one place and impermanent is in another place or they, they stand apart and therefore that you can very easily discriminate between one and the other. 
but both of them come together says kathopanishad shreyascha prayascha manushya metaha tau samparitya vivinakti dhiraha that in our life constantly we come across shreya and prayaha shreyas means that which is permanent prayaha that which is impermanent both of these come to us shreyas means a lasting and prayas means ephemeral shreyas means a happiness of the self and the prayas means a happiness of the sense objects shreyas means the intro the internal happiness the prayas means external happiness these things meet us in our life constantly and it requires a certain sensitivity to be able to appreciate that even though there is this so called impermanent ephemeral happiness in the objects and achievements of the world that there is something lasting so to be able to sense that you require a certain sensitivity a certain purity of the heart so where is the viveka or the discrimination where will it be only in that heart which has become relatively pure how has it become pure by the process that we described earlier by performance of nitya naimittika karma by performance of action in the spirit of worship by meditations meaning by mental worship and by the whole program when the mind does become sensitive then alone this viveka or discrimination becomes possible that in and through the impermanent that i am experiencing there must be something permanent and therefore the mind goes there mind chooses that instead of choosing the impermanent so every moment our choice presents itself before us every moment the choice between the permanent and impermanent how does the choice present it is not that the imp- the permanent thing comes to you in a physical manner the permanent thing is ever there as a very self the impermanent comes to you in the form of various situations opportunities you know and and pleasures and what not and the permanent is ever there as a very self as long as the mind is full of these attractions and repulsion so long it is impermanent alone that attracts your mind and the voice of the permanent is never heard by us so only when the intensity of that noise created by the reactions of likes and dislikes etc then when that noise becomes subdued or less then alone that permanent or the self has an opportunity to register itself i mean to talk in a common language that there is what you might call an inner voice but then that inner voice gets totally uh, uh totally blinded on account of the lots of noise that is made by the demands of the external things so when this demands are relatively subsided then that inner voice or what we call nitya vastu that becomes somewhat clearer so what is the nature of this discrimination so nitya nitya vastu viveka stavada then the discrimination between the permanent and the impermanent is brahmaiva nityam vastu that brahma is nitya vastu is that which is impo- eternal or permanent or lasting tatah anyat akhilam anityam iti and everything other than brahman everything whatever there is other than brahman the whole thing is anityam is changing or impermanent in the vivechanam this discrimination is also what we call a in a general sense of discrimination which ultimately will become a reality when we expose ourselves to scriptures and go through this whole process of 
of learning and seeing. But in the beginning, this is a general understanding which has arisen on account of a certain purity which is there in my heart and on account of exposure to some scriptures, exposure to some books, exposure to whatever. And that Brahma, Brahma the word itself, will be certainly later on explained. As you know very well, the word Brahman is derived from the root Bruch. Bruch is in the sense of Vruddhi, in the sense of growth and the sense of bigness. So Brahma is that which is big, unqualified big. That there is an unqualified big thing called Brahma. And this word Brahman you learn from the scripture itself. Or God, or Father in heaven, so whatever. So when you are born you don't know any of these things. But then as you go through the education, if, if you are fortunate enough to have a right kind of an education, or by luck you get exposed to that kind of an education at some point in time, then you realize there is God. So Brahman means God. That Brahma, Brahmahiva Nityam Vastu, that God or Brahman or Ishvara is Nityam Vastu. He is lasting, He is eternal. He is a real reliable one. Everything else is what? Unreliable, changing, ephemeral, in a flux. And we also understand what is our own inner urge. What is it that that we realize that what we are seeking is Nitya Vastu. Everyone is seeking lasting thing, eternal or permanent thing in the life. That no doubt I am seeking happiness, no doubt I am seeking security. What nature of happiness am I seeking? I am seeking what we call lasting happiness, a lasting security. That there is such a thing, that there is something that is lasting, which can provide me lasting happiness, lasting security. And what is that? That is God, or that is Self, or that is Brahman. <coughs> that is Nityam Vastu. And also it stands to reason that there must be a Nitya Vastu or an eternal or lasting or changeless principle must be there. Which also is a question very often in the mind of the people, Swamiji, uh, I find it hard to believe in God. But a, an analysis of the very life will enable us to see that God has to be. That even though life appears to be... Uh, there doesn't seem to be an order in life, in our life. There doesn't seem to be justice and whatever it is. There has to be because the whole universe is functioning in a very harmonious manner. Even though in our personal or private life we may not have seen that harmony. But when you look at the world, we find that the whole world is functioning around a harmony. That all the change is there, but there is a certain order in the change also. That the change takes place in life, all right, but the change does not take place in a random manner. That change also takes place in, a, in an orderly manner, and therefore, there is an order behind the change also. There is an order in life. There is a justice in life. So that is something that is just, there is something that is orderly. And that has to be necessarily complete. As a scientist say, what must be the nature of reality? Scientists say today, it must be something simple and beautiful. Even though we see lots of complications in life, and even as the scientists make more and more investigations, they seem to come up with more and more complications of reality. But there is a hunch that the reality must be simple, and reality must be beautiful. So that simple and beautiful thing alone is called Brahman. <coughs> 
in short brahman or god is that which i am seeking in my life that beauty or that simplicity or that security or love or silence that is brahman that there is tadanyat tatah anyat akhilam anityamidi and everything other than brahman is anityam is impermanent this vivechanam this discrimination is called nitya nitya vastu vega in the beginning it is only a general discrimination it's interesting thing is vedanta begins with viveka and ends in viveka it begins with discrimination and culminates into discrimination it begins in discrimination which is in the beginning a vague idea and it culminates into discrimination which is a reality <coughs> so thus first is viveka or discrimination in short there must be discrimination in our life we must be always thinking people reasoning people analyzing people not taking things for granted or not simply doing things because other people are doing even we may not have many experiences in our life but when we analyze the experience of other people then also we realize that even though all these fellows are seeking and achieving what have they finally achieved have they achieved something permanent have they achieved lasting satisfaction in their life and we will find that all the achievements are not enough to give me a permanent or lasting satisfaction <clears throat> and thus when there is some insight into what to call brahma that insight is only in sense of some hunch in sense of some something that tells me inside there is there is god there is something permanent when we have that when you have is a, a some exposure to that or some taste of it experience it then arises what we call viraga or dispassion towards everything that is impermanent that is described in the 17th passage ahikanam srakchandana vanitade vishaya bhoganam karmajanyataya anityatvavat aamushmikanam api amrutade विषय भोगाया इहा मुत्रात फल भोग विराग है राग है राग मीन्स पैशन और अटैचमेंट विराग है डिसपैशन और अनअटैचमेंट सो विराग है मीन्स अ फ्रीडम फ्रॉम पैशन इस कॉल विराग एंड वी शुड ऑल्सो नो दैट वेर एवर दर इज राग और अटैचमेंट देर मस्ट बी ए करस्पॉन्डिंग द्वेश और एवर्जन दिस थिंग्स ऑलवेज गो इन फेयर लाइक द टू साइड ऑफ ए कॉइन there cannot be attraction or attachment somewhere unless there is an aversion somewhere else or there cannot be aversion in one place unless there is an attachment elsewhere you will always find that you find yourself attached to a given thing that is because there is an aversion elsewhere attachment is always 
going away, gravitating from one thing to the other. Does a person who is under the hold of this raga and dresha, or attachment and aversion, always gravitating under their force in one direction to the other direction, like a pendulum, or like a leaf which just goes in the force of the wind, so also this fellow's mind simply is pulled by this opposite forces of likes and dislikes, or attachment and aversion. So, viragaha means a freedom from both attachment and aversion. Viragaha vairagya means viragasibhavaha vairagyam. The state of dispassion is freedom from raga and dvesha, attachment and aversion. Even though the scriptures always talk about vairagya, they always talk about freedom from passion or freedom from attachment. We must also know that that also means freedom from aversion. Not only freedom from attachment, but freedom from aversion also, which is not often understood even in India. And therefore, freedom from attachment is very often interpreted as aversion. And therefore, to have aversion for life is often mistaken to be vairagya or dispassion. But now, this aversion also is undesirable because that also keeps my mind away from myself. This raga and dvesha, attachment and aversions, have the ability to pull my mind away from myself and throw it into the external object. This is what they do. I cannot sit peacefully. I cannot meditate. I cannot contemplate. I cannot be at peace with myself. Even if I don't meditate, I cannot be at peace with myself as long as the mind is under the spell of dislikes and dislikes. Both likes and dislikes, both of them have the ability to pull my mind away from myself and then take it and uh, drag it into the sense objects or into the external things. <coughs> so to have a mind that is contemplative, it is necessary that it should be free from likes and dislikes, passions and attachments and aversions and everything, it must be free from that. How do we make, make our mind free from that? That is, on account of viveka or discrimination. Why is it raga? Why is there passion or attachment towards the objects and achievements? There is a fascination in our mind. A fascination for, for physical pleasures. A fascination for achievements and accomplishments in life. Why do we have fascination? Because we have grown that way. We have grown up because we find the whole world placing a great deal of importance to external achievements. And that's how the world always attaches success with a person who has achieved, uh, made accomplishments in life. And therefore we also grown to, to associate success or fulfillment in life with external achievements. So it is going to require a discriminative analysis to understand the limitation of all the external achievements. That's what this passage explains. That all the bhoga or all the pleasures that you gain, they are classified as the traditional srak, chandana, vanita. Srak means a garland. Chanda means a sandana, means sandalwood, paste. Vanita means a woman. So these are the various pleasures that you can have in life. And in this you should also add the, ple- the enjoyment, the satisfaction that arises because of the other achievements, you know, because of recognition, because of competition, because of success. 
So these also give you what we, the pleasure, the happiness at the level of ego. So happiness comes to us at different levels. Happiness comes to us at the level of sense organs, which is what is called by garland and sandalwood paste and whatnot. So happiness coming at the level of taste, at the level of touch, at the level of color, at the level of form, at the level of sound, all the sensuous sen- the sensation that coming, which gives us a pleasure is one kind of happiness. Other is the happiness that you feel in presence of a good friend, somebody who is dear and near to you. That's another kind of happiness that comes. The third kind of happiness comes because of the satisfaction of ego, because of recognition, because of name, fame, honor, etc. So these are happinesses at the level of senses, happinesses at the level of emotions, happinesses at the level of ego. There are three kinds of happiness that we enjoy in our life. And depending upon the kind of a person, the emphasis will be different. The people who are very gross are always after sensuous pleasures. People who are emotional go after the emotional happiness. And people who are intellectual or egoistic always go after those kind of pleasures which come from achievement, from success, from accomplishment, from recognition, etc. So we find different people pursuing different forms of happiness or a combination of all of these. Everyone requires all the three, only the proportion may vary depending upon the nature of the person. But these are the kind of pleasures or happinesses that the world can offer us. Karma Janyataya Anityatvavat First is Anityatvavat, all of these happiness is at every level, is Anitya impermanent. Why is it impermanent? Karma Janyatvat, because it is born out of an effort. So, there is a reason why this happiness is, because something happened. So, any happiness, any experience of happiness comes to me because of a certain reason, because of a certain cause, because something happened or because something did not happen. That happiness or satisfaction is always going to be temporary. Because I was successful and therefore I am happy, that happiness is temporary because the effect of success is going to be only for a period of time. Because I won in a sudden race and therefore I am happy, well, that happiness also is going to be temporary because that effect is going to be temporary. So, the scriptures are now pointing our attention to the nature of happiness that comes because of the worldly achievements and worldly pleasures and sensations. That karma jinyataya, on account of the fact that they are born of karma or an effort, on account of the fact that they are caused by some... And nobody says give up the desires also. They only say understand the nature of nature of pleasure that every pleasure or happiness that comes because of a certain reason is going to be impermanent. This is it. This is a fact of life. You may say, let it be impermanent. I still want them. Go ahead and have it. Next question is, are these impermanent pleasures of happiness, is it going to really give you a satisfaction? Have you gained a satisfaction through so far, having gained so many experiences and having made so many achievements, has it given you a satisfaction? It has not. Everything gives you a certain temporary satisfaction and again you find yourself hungry. Like a hungry man, like a fire. The fire in which you keep on pouring that butter and how the fire hunger increases and so also you find that the hunger for pleasure increases. 
more and more pleasures we enjoy in life. Hunger for recognition increases, more and more recognition we gain in life. Hunger for success increases, more and more success we gain in life. Thus all these achievements in life, they increase the hunger rather than appeasing the hunger. And this is what one has to see for oneself. It's not something that you have to insist, but this is what's this is what one has to see for oneself in one's life, as to how the hunger, the beggarliness has not gone. The beggar has remained intact. In spite of acquiring so much, the beggar has not gone. Never. Go ahead and have it. But if you analyze your own urge, then you realize that the inner urge is for something that is lasting or permanent. And therefore, these impermanent accomplishments cannot fulfill your urge once and for all. This understanding comes as a result of viveka or discrimination. An understanding of one's own need in life. We don't pay attention to what we are seeking. We simply follow what everybody else does. And that's why we do what other people are doing. Whatever values as well as imposed upon us, those values we follow in our life. But we don't stop to see and think as to what exactly is what we are seeking. And the and Vedanta tells us that what we are seeking is permanent. So analyze, understand your own urge and then decide for yourself whether the worldly achievements have the capability of satisfying your urge or not. <coughs> okay, we'll continue tomorrow. Om Puranamadaf Puranamidam Puranat Puranamudachyade Puranasya Puranamadaya Puranameva Vashishyade Om Shanti 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 Shankaram Shankaracharyam Keshavam Badarayanam Sutra Bhashya Krutau Vande Bhagavantau Punaf Punaha Ishvaro Guru Ratmeti Murti Veda Vibhagine Vyoma Vadvyapta Dehaya Dakshina Murtaye Namaha Om Shanti 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 Hari Om Shri Gurubhyo Namaha Hari Om